Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's new Tales of Ted DeGrazia show, where every fourth Sunday we get to chat with our friend Lance Labor. We call him the Tucson Dude. He is the executive director of DeGrazia Gallery in the Sun in Tucson, Arizona. And he joins us. You know, he's been on our show for years, but we know there's so many new people traveling around, new listeners and, uh, you know, Tucson is an amazing city and there's so much to experience like Saguaro National Park, um, all the museums, there's the downtown district, but art is really at the top of the list when it comes to Tucson, art and food and nature, right? But the Grazia Gallery in the Sun is one of those uh, destinations that will blow your mind if you haven't been. Um, it is a hub of creativity. Um, it is in a beautiful setting at the at the base of the Catalina Mountains. Mm-hmm. And so Lance joins us all the time on shows, but we thought we need to make this a little bit more official because there's always something new to learn about the infamous artist Ted DeGrazia, who's known for portraying Southwest culture, Southwest life, desert life. And I encourage you to go to the website DeGrazia.org. So welcome back to Sun Dude. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Hey, good. this is cool. We're excited about doing this new series because... I know so many people are interested in art and I just, I think everyone has to go to the gallery and learn more about Ted de Grazia because I think he was the epitome of an artist doing exactly what he wanted to do, no matter what um, anyone said. Um, he even opened his own gallery when, you know, people said, no, you can't take your art and put it in here. He's like, oh yeah, watch this. I'll create my own. But he also built his own gallery um, he traveled. He he, you know, he's also known as one of the most reproduced artists in the world uh, for many reasons. So we can talk about that. But I think the gallery should be really when you think of a top ten thing to do in Tucson. I think the gallery should really be on there because I, Nancy and I travel full time, as you know. We've been all over. You have too, and travels. But I don't think there's a gallery anywhere on the planet like De Grazia Gallery in the Sun. Do you see a lot of people come in and kind of just their their eyes light up and go, wow, this is completely different? Um, everybody. Everybody does mm. that. You know, I, I think people come to the gallery and they don't, you know, they don't know what to expect. They've heard word of mouth or or they've read something and then they show up and you know, it's jaw-dropping uh, what what De Grazia did and, and what mm. he created is 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 quite amazing. So uh, yeah, everybody um, everybody really appreciates it, mm. whether they the thought register. they'd like it or not. Yeah, it's on the National Historic Register. So let let's kind of go back in the past of Ted De Grazia being born. Um, he was born in Marenzi, right? Which isn't that far from you. Um, it's about 120 miles northeast of us. It's a copper mining town. And, uh, okay. yeah, that's where he was born and raised. And then mm-hmm. what's interesting is his family, but they worked in the mine, right? His dad worked in the mine. Did DeGrazia ever work in the mine? Um, actually, DeGrazia did go down in the mine a little bit. It wasn't something that he really wanted to do. He didn't want to make a career of it. Um, mm-hmm. But um, 
Uh, yeah, he did, and I think it convinced him at a pretty early age that that's not what he that's not what he wanted to do in his life. Uh, right. He knew from a pretty young age that he wanted to be an artist. He was very creative, and uh, you know, he was influenced by the colors of the copper mine and uh, you know the colors that surround the desert. Uh, I think it really inspired him. Mm-hmm. I was reading on on the website today. And everyone again is degrazia.org that um that his family, which I completely forgot about this or didn't know. I mean, you'd think after all these years I'd know everything, but I don't, apparently. <laughs> but uh, that his family actually moved him and his his siblings back to Italy at a, a specific point of time for not too long, but so he actually lived in Italy for a while in in between the the mine opening uh, and closing. They were they were there. Yeah, they were there for about 10 years. The mine closed in Morenci and everybody was out of work. And so the family went back to Italy uh, to work. And I think the Grazi was about five, something like that. And then he came, they came back when the mine opened. It was 10 years later. He was 15 years old and Mm. he had forgotten how to speak English. Um, so he had to start first grade again, uh, with all the little kids and learn, Uh relearn how to speak English. So yeah, he, he struggled when he was young. Wow. Wow. So he started, and I, you know, he graduated when he was like 23, graduated high school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, he got a late start, you know, he had to relearn English and, uh, he finally graduated high school from Renzi high school in, um, uh, after and when he was 23 mm. years old, uh, and then, wow. but then of course you know he went on to the to the U of A and got three degrees. So the the guy was no slouch. He was very smart. Mm. Um, just just kind of a just a slow slow beginning. He was a musician he certainly, too. He certainly picked up. He yes, he was the family. All the family uh, they were all musicians. Mm. So he went he went to U of A and. He was a musician, an artist at the time too, but to earn money, from, he he planted trees at the university to get him through he, school. He, and... he was like he he was like the gardener guy. He he was uh, during the day uh, he would plant trees and he uh, cool. he helped build. Uh, there's a big wall, a big huge wall that goes around the University of Arizona. It's a, it's a a lava rock wall, and he helped wow. build that. Uh, and then wow. at night he had a big band with his brother. And, uh, so they earned money at night and that's how he put himself through school. Wow. See, that, this is so cool. You know, in everybody else, looks like, Oh, age, we are, what age are you? You're supposed to be at this level at this time, but that's only surface. What you're looking at a surface. And when you really get to know a person, you realize there's a lot more going on than what you think. Mm-hmm. And he definitely Absolutely. portrays that. Absolutely portrays that as a creative individual. Like, I mean, how many people can say they're an individual? They're not like something that just was right like the person next door and the person next door. Actual, thoughtful, self-thinking individual. Yeah, he was the rebel. That's what he was. He was a rebel. There you go. That's the word. And 
he, uh, you know, he rebelled against uh, uh, the government and he really rebelled against things that he felt were, uh, were unfair, um, you know, taxes, uh, on and on and on. He, he, he was a rebel. Side. Definitely. Do you, do you think when he met Diego Rivera and uh, Jose Orozco down in Mexico, which was like a kind of a lucky chance meeting, and then they, you know, worked with him and or he worked with them and, and learned from them. Do you think that some of his rebellious spirit was also inspired by them or because he, when you look at what Diego Rivera stood for and, and uh, Jose Orozco, they both stood for the people. They're kind of like, you know, like Cesar Chavez, right, for the the farm workers. And I feel like Ted right. de Grazia was that way for the people of Tucson, you know, um, whether Mexican, uh, all his connections, you know, with the different Native American indigenous people, that he was about the people and wanting to stand up for their stories. Because I don't think, you know, if you think back in the day, um, maybe the government wasn't as nice to him, you know, and well, let's. Oh, well, that's today, too. Nice to <laughs> yeah, you know, and so but, I think he stood up for them through his art. Well, I think that rebellious attitude, uh, he always had that. And I think yeah. that's probably maybe one of the reasons he got along with Diego Rivera was that it was all the same attitude. They all they all had this kind of anti-government you know, don't get me wrong. De Grazia was not a communist. De Grazia mm -hmm. was a capitalist through and through, mm -hmm. uh, where Diego Rivera was a communist. But, you know, mm. it was still, uh, they still had that, uh, you know, they, they, they still had that uh, adversarial uh, feeling toward the government. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you don't want to be curtailed. You know, and you don't want somebody to tell you how to think, tell you how to paint, tell you how to do this, color within the lines, screw the lines. You know, that's how uh, artist thinks. We don't need the lines. Mm -hmm. We don't want the lines. We're going to yeah, change no, lines. He, he didn't want anybody telling him what to do. He, he was exactly. going to do what he wanted to do. You know, yeah. the thing was that DeGrasse was a decent human being. He was a mm -hmm, good man. Yeah. And so there was never any worry that he was going to do something wrong, but he was just going to do it the way he, he was a sovereign citizen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's, see, that's, that's an integrity that's to it. your art and who you are, right? Um, in there, there's, a, there's, he was always studying and learning. And I think the, his kindness towards, you know, the local peoples, shows you know he was a decent human being he did care but he Absolutely. didn't stand he didn't stand for stuff that is just stupid like you know there's also um you know the art world is not the easiest of of worlds and at times can be a little on the snobby side and i think, think? that he also stood up against that in that going okay well if you don't get my stuff i'm gonna continue anyway and that's how because didn't he he the gallery as it stands now, which is the 10 acres, it has, you know, his house. You've got the actual gallery, all Adobe buildings. You've got the mission. You've got the little gallery, um, you know, and also his his gravesite. And then also um, his wife, you know, also Marion de Grazia is also 
but her act she's got ashes scattered right um in the tree there but um i mean this is a this is like a compound really that he was just like you know what i'm doing my own thing i'm sailing my own ship in the desert right beautiful setting but i think he started at a smaller gallery right so he kind of no matter what he was he, he, he had he this did. vision he, he, the vision was this nobody would show his art and if he hmm. was going to make it as an artist he had to show his art so it's like if you know if no one's going to let me hang my art uh i'm going to have hmm. to make my own gallery and um that was his um that was his road to success um it, he built a smaller you know, gallery in the middle of tucson sorry no it's no i was going to say do you have any idea why they wouldn't show his work any because i mean um yeah i don't know what people look down on de grazia they they Hmm. Um, in his early days, he painted, he painted very, very sad, dark kind of paintings, you know, like, uh, Mexican revolution and people, sad peasants and, and, you know, very sad things that, that things that Diego Rivera loved. He said, this is great stuff, but. Really, people didn't necessarily want to buy the firing squad wall to hang up over their fireplace. So yes. he wasn't selling a lot of work. Um, yeah. And then when his mm. his you know his not his his style but his uh, his subject matter started to change and he started painting little children, you know, because people were demanding this of him. People liked it, and. Um, so nobody wanted to show that work. So he, he just had to, he had to do his own gallery. Oh, and, wow. uh, of course it exploded. I mean, um, De Grazia was wildly successful over the years and, um, uh, just made a fortune. He made an yeah, absolute and, fortune in his life. He understood then, like it kind of got like, he has his commentary part, like what Nancy was saying, like, here's, here's what I want you to understand. And he also wrote, Mm-hmm. I mean, films. I mean, he really had like this multifaceted creative mind and soul. Like he, it didn't matter if he was going to do pottery or if he was going to do a painting. He wanted to do whatever the hell he wanted to do, and that was that. And or, or a movie, you know, movies, mm-hmm. movies. There, there was there was music. There was no um, bounds to this guy. He he just uh, he tried everything. Yeah, and he was That's successful cool. just about everything he tried. Mm. becoming a one of the most reproduced artists would that start with the unicef card with him understanding this is what people want so on the uh, capitalistic well, side the, to do it that way yeah that that was the los ninos um image that he he painted a painting called los ninos it was uh children dancing in a circle and this is what mm. unicef got a hold of this image and contacted him and said mm. we we'd like permission to reproduce this and they sold millions of greeting cards millions worldwide <laughs> and that really really put him on the map but he was already yeah. he was already on his way to that but this really really set him up you know there was this era of when you tried to put your art into 
a gallery, the powers that be in the gallery, really were looking not at art or understanding art. They were looking at marketability and who they could sell what to, knowing their clientele. So it, there's, there is an era of, or a time when a gallery wasn't a, really a gallery and it wasn't a introduce new artist and um, promote art as a message from the artist. It was, what can I sell to this client? Because I know they like these three colors or they like this kind of landscape or they want this kind of that. You know, so it was more of a marketing effort than it was art. And I think that he well, was one of the people that got caught up in that. Like, well, they all got to like, make money. I mean, that's the whole exactly. idea. Exactly. Yeah. Is to is to make a living from from right. your art, and yeah. um, you know, DeGrazia had a rough time of it in the beginning, but as mm. time went on, um, he started making his fortune. But that's when people started to really criticize him. Uh, gee, mm. you know, you're selling magnets. You're selling. Uh, you know, plastic pendants and, uh, you know, he was criticized for being commercial and where every artist in the world does this now, you know, I mean, everybody uh, does this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but he was the first one to get really, really highly criticized. And yeah. he, he was, um, he was looked down upon, especially in Tucson. Um, oh, that's so wild. Which is too bad. Yeah, when you go to the gallery, number one, you see the creativity of the building, the architecture, and the fact that he had it, he built it by hand with his friends, by hand, you know. And, I mean, I know they had tools and stuff, but you know what I mean? This is something that he created and, and designed, and um, it was very South it, Just it, all the inspirations of the desert, right, and how people needed to live with nature, too. And then when you go in and you see the, the art, you've got the, the permanent exhibits, um, you know, like, you know, and then you've got rotating exhibits, which I think is great. So people can see because you've got so much in the archives, right, to share with people and, and put together as here's these themed exhibits to learn more about his perspective and tell this the stories that he he was such a storyteller. But then when you go in the gift shop, it's like it blows my mind. Like for Christmas, like you've got ornaments, you've got Christmas cards, you've got like calendars cool. for the next year, you've got all these things. But at the same time, like nowadays, artists can go on these websites and, you know, people can envision their art in their room, their living room or whatever, and purchase a shower curtain with their art on it, you know, with that kind of <laughs> stuff, like you're saying. He understood that, but didn't he have to do it? It wasn't like just regular printing at that point too. Didn't he have people actually recreate his work for him? Like take his designs? Uh, yeah. Well, he had a guild of artists that, you know, they would make uh, silver earrings and they would make, uh, you know, they would reproduce his stuff for the gift shop. And that was, an, that was, you know, he was criticized for that. Uh, but uh, I don't think he cared. I think that he was laughing all the way to the bank. And, yeah. um, 
Mm-hmm. You know, rank and file people just loved him. The, the, the regular, normal people of the world loved him. It was kind mm-hmm. of the snooty art community exactly. that may, maybe they were envious uh, of his success. Maybe they, you know, they thought his art was childish. Uh, whatever it is, um, they were barking up the wrong tree. Yes, because, that, that um, is that era of art only belongs to the rich. That's the era I'm talking about. When you go to take a painting in right, a gallery, right. it's, it was the art is not for the peasant or the average person. Art is for rich people only. And not that they even care. They might purchase but their level of, of understanding and appreciation isn't different than anybody else. Sorry. Sure. You know, for that I, one. I, I will say this is, this is the, uh, this is the thing that DeGrazi was real successful at was bringing art to the average person. Yeah. Uh, you, you could come into the gallery and spend $10 and get a nice piece of art that you love. Uh, without mm. having to spend thousands of dollars. And mm-hmm. uh, this is what he was roundly criticized for, was uh, uh, selling the cheap, inexpensive art, I should say. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, broke yeah, the but, rules. But he, he but broke that, the that was, rules. That's what he did. He, he always broke the rules. The rules. He but was I the, love he that because... Well, yep. Why should it only be for the rich, right? You know, to me, that's the beauty exactly. of of artists to connect and make people understand. So I think he was like this giant spokesperson for when, the people when, and the, and the, and the nature of the Sonoran desert and of Mexico and understanding the, the area. That's why I say when people go to Tucson, I'm like, you want to actually understand the people, the, the cultural backbone of Tucson, Arizona, which is in the Sonoran desert, which is, you know, this amazing biodiverse and culturally diverse area. I mean, you've got five seasons and he portrays the wildlife, the vegetation, the people. Mm-hmm. He tells the story of like Father Font, you know, who he loves, right? And he tells all of these cultural histories and stories. traditions. I mean, I'm not personally a, per- a fan of rodeos and things. That's just not me. But that is part of the cultural history and it's huge in Tucson. Mm-hmm. It's a huge piece of history for uh, Tucson. And, you know, and, and he did and that. It was a lot. It was a lot bigger in the past. You know, rodeos yeah. and bullfights were all still yeah. a very big deal back in the '60s and the the mm-hmm. '50s. Uh, yeah. You know, it was a, it was a different world back then, and you know, things that aren't quite accepted today uh, were mm-hmm. were you know fully accepted back then. I think you he know, told the even, story, the history of the people, like, you know, Cabeza de Vaca, that's the one uh, exhibit, uh, permanent exhibit, is my favorite, because it tells the story of Cabeza coming over with his 200 people crawling through the desert of Texas, dying, you know, in Cabeza de Vaca, and I think he, I think he, I think he was interested in those who wrote the stories and told the stories, and that was well, his history, for because sure. Cabeza de Vaca, and I know we, you know, we went to Galveston to go find Cabeza de Vaca's monument, right? Oh gosh! And I don't even want to talk about the amount of 
like the, the <laughs> pol non-polite language that came out of my mouth going from Houston to Galveston and traffic. I don't, because they were doing construction. It was a mess. Okay. But by the time we get to Galveston, and I'd done all this research on him, and yet DeGrazia did this amazing portrayal of what these people went through, you know, these explorers come off a ship, and then you're you're literally dying in the desert. This is not a train they're used to, but he documented everything. And he is actually considered the very first travel writer of Texas. When you think about travel writers now, like in Anthony Bourdain, the the you know, the foodie writer and and interpreter like he is like to me the anthony bourdain of the southwest that's who i think ted degrazi is in that like don't tell me what to believe <laughs> but telling the story of the people but think about it in a way right um and so when you read about cabeza de vaca and then you go and they they have this tiny plaque tiny. that's it and that's and one thing the, you can barely one, see and I, I was now I do know we, we have to go back to Houston. The Botanical Garden has like a, an actual sculpture and, and more than a tiny plaque. But it's I just I was like, I can't like Ted DeGrazia would be so pissed if he went there and saw them just give him on the ground. Everybody else has these big pillars and Cabeza's on the ground with a plaque that he, you know, he landed here. That's it. Like this dude did so much and 200 people in the desert crawling through. That desert is vicious. And so De Grazia, what he's done for that, what he did about Father Font and, and even Juan Batista going through and, you know, and, you know, everywhere we go in the Southwest and, and beyond the Southwest, we find De Grazia everywhere. It's crazy. The stories he's told and how far it's gone. But I feel like I, I don't, I don't think I would really have gotten the visuals of Cabeza de Vaca and, the people and what they went through if it wasn't for the gallery and seeing his art. I don't think I would have mm -hmm. gotten it. You can't get it from a little measly plaque. Sorry. Man, I'm still really mad to get there and they didn't well, give this guy justice. But De Grazia did, you know? De Grazia yeah. did. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it was It was such an interesting story. It was one of those dark stories that DeGrazia liked to tell, and it was such a dark story. And by the way, not to correct you, but I will anyway, <laughs> it wasn't 200 men. It was 700 men. Oh, good. Yeah, I thought you were going to correct me on my pronunciation because I remember no, the first no, time. No, remember no. the first time you came on a show years ago, I said Saguaro <laughs> cactus. Oh, and yeah. You had, right. you had to teach me it's Saguaro. You will not be saying saguaro. That that is not how you say it. No, not 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 when you're living in Arizona. You can't <laughs> no, no. You 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 sent me aside kindly, and said, Lisa, I want you to know it's saguaro. <laughs> it's not saguaro. <laughs> but um, I think I even oh, said it worse goodness. than that. But but seven hundred men. Yeah, you're right. Two hundred was uh, the father. That two hundred was um, Juan Batista. That was that's the two hundred people. And no one died on that expedition all the way up to San Francisco. It was like from Presidio to Presidio, you know, Tucson Presidio to, you know, longer than that because of Mexico. But I mean, did, yeah, it's amazing that he even went to Mexico. You know, didn't, he went with his first wife to Mexico on vacation and then he got married to Mary uh, there too. Yeah, but no, they, uh, they went down to Mexico in the early 30s to meet Diego Rivera. Uh, 
him and his wife, Alexandra, they went, that's when they went down there and they, but they went specifically to meet him. Oh, they did and, do it. Uh, they had to, they, okay. yeah, they went, they were in Mexico city and uh, Rivera was painting a mural or something. And, um, De Grazio mm. bribed the security guard, uh, gave him five bucks and said, you know, can you let me in? And he did. And he cool. had a, he had a conversation with Diego Rivera and Rivera said, I'll come and look at your art as soon as I get done. He was up there uh, on a scaffold painting. And um, at the same time, right about then, um, uh, Frida Kahlo walked mm-hmm. in with dinner. Mm. So we got to meet Frida, too. Uh, wow. That's cool. Wow. So that that That's was a very cool. consequential uh, meeting. Wow, big, you know, big there's, there's an openness yeah, if you look at the history of art and you look at paintings like the classical paintings up until things got a little shook up, um, there's an openness of of music and paintings that had to happen. Was there were rumbles before, like this is too staid. All these art rules for classical paintings I had to do it this way, and you can only do it that way, and you can only mix so many colors together, and all that. Um, and then you come across somebody like Ted Grazi goes, oh, screw that. I'm doing it my way. And here it is. And the difference is the openness of his artwork. When I say openness, I mean the welcoming of, oh, I can identify with that. As opposed to somebody has to explain this painting over here to me. Or mm. they think they need to explain it. Right? It's a difference. Right. There's a difference, but yeah, no, that's can, true. Yeah, and is so you can look at Ted DeGrazia's work. You don't really need someone to interpret. It's cool if there's a caption on the painting who says when and why it was done and the story behind it. That's always great. I love that, you know, because now the painting even means more. But it's not like it used to be with the classical paintings where you're like, I don't know. What the heck I'm looking for? Well, he did I abstract, mean, too. He did abstract, yeah, and that's but, on display. Uh, but, but, I mean, you, you, good art, in my opinion, I will put Bill court marks there, in my opinion, doesn't need to be explained. You should get a feeling from it, and you're not going to get it from every piece of art because no one gets everything, Right. But when you look at DeGrazia's art, um, you, you, you can feel it. And it's, I feel it's always warm. Mm. And I, you know, you're talking about, you know, dark periods and all that. But when I look at his work, I find it very opening, open and warm and welcoming. Mm. I think he's always telling the story of bravery. Yeah. You know, but, you know art's a funny it's a it's an odd subject. It's a weird thing because you're really talking about people putting their emotions on canvas or paper or in clay or whatever they're doing, mm. you know, and that's a tricky thing to do. But, you know, his his art is simple, but he has a movement. It's not like a gazillion lines in his art. He keeps things so simple, but like, you know, there's the mm-hmm. exhibit you have now, the trail rides and the people on horses, Right. And if it's like a cowboy or something, you can see like a cloth around, like just this 
basic thing you can already envision and feel that it's like a cold morning or you know what i mean i i find that amazing about his work how it was done simply without over it wasn't over processed and yet you have the movement but you could get the feeling immediately and that's why i think what's so great about it he's as a storyteller i think he also it, allows you to to envision and to feel what these people went through you know we like him i wish we met him did you meet it you did meet him lance you did when you're a kid didn't you get to meet him yeah 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 no i i mean i grew up with his grandkids so Mm, you know i i met him uh on occasion throughout the years and uh you know i didn't really know him you know he was a complex guy that was always on the move but you know he knew who i was i was his I was a five-year-old friend of his grandkids. That's who I was. <laughs> He's like, that's a kid over there. You know, tell everybody a little bit about Arizona highways, because isn't that part of his success was working with the editor? Uh, yeah. Well, in the early forties, um, the editor, of uh, 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 Raymond Carlson of, uh, Arizona highways discovered DeGrazia and, uh, yeah, you know, they collaborated and they started putting him in the magazine and that really started, you know, along with the, the, uh, UNICEF thing really, uh, you know, because Arizona highways was sold all over the country. Uh, people subscribe mm-hmm. to that magazine all over the place. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that really brought a lot of people into the gallery. So, um, mm-hmm. it was big for him. Mm. And then from there, you know, he gets really big. He's his work is all over the world. You know, whether it's you know a, a Christmas card, a magnet, a painting, you know, it goes everywhere. And then he decided to burn some of his work in the Superstition Mountains. I have to bring that up because I know he, this is you know, just yeah. giving everyone an overview of who he is, so that when you go to the gallery, you get it. But um. Yes, he went into the mountains and, and burned his work. In 76, he, he, he was mad. It was the tax protest. Mm. Um, he couldn't leave his paintings. He, he painted so much, and the government considered it his inventory. And he, he couldn't leave his paintings to his family, his heirs, uh, without having to sell off a huge amount of it to pay the tax. Uh, so he got mad and he went up to the superstition mountains with a hundred paintings. It was about a million and a half dollars worth and he burned them. Wow. And, um, so, you know, he, he, um, he, he had his principles and he stuck to them. I, I like that about him. You know, it is it, integrity, you know, to his principles, Absolutely. like you're saying, to his beliefs, you know. Um, I want people to understand about the gallery. So when you go there, there is a mission uh, on the property and people get married there. Um, they go there for some spiritual connection. Why did he decide a mission had to be part of the gallery? <coughs> Back in the, well. It's a it's a tradition in Mexico when you become a landowner that you build a church on your property, and when De Grazia mm-hmm. bought that ten acres out there uh, in the Catalina foothills, 
that was the first thing he did. He became a landowner and he built a church mm. to give thanks. That's what they did. And then the nuns, I mean, there's the one part of the gallery that I know is admin offices, but the nuns were there, right? That, that was like the nuns quarters. <coughs> they used to, the, the Benedictine sisters used to visit from California and, you know, he had all these sisters that were friends and they would come to visit and he would just let them stay in the nun's house. And, um, you know, they would sign the walls and, uh, so yeah, no, he had a lot, he mm. had a lot of, a lot of friends in the church. Mm. And I know that you have, um, the annual exhibit, the way of the cross up. And that's something that you always laugh at if you ever, you know, you're not allowed to not, you know, to skip that, you have to do that every year, no matter what. Um, and uh, this is, you know, on display through Lent, but it's 15 original paintings uh, showcasing the suffering and crucifixion of Christ. And this is something you do every year. They're on display until the 30th of August uh, this year. Um, just like uh, the rotating exhibits, um, there's also um, On the Trail with Ted de Grazia, abstract paintings of Ted de Grazia and de Grazia mm -hmm. Underground. Miners and Prospectors of the Old West. Those are the four exhibits on display until the 30th in 2023. Um, all of that is on degrazia.org and they're on Instagram and Facebook and everything. But um, the way of the cross, do you think that kind of came from the sisters giving him a little nudge? You, you must do this. <laughs> do you think the one of them no, said, I'll no, whack no, your knuckles no. if you there don't do a, it? Uh, <laughs> you know? there, the, the, at the University of Arizona, there's a, a, a Catholic center called the Newman Center. And the priest um, that was there at the, excuse me, there at the time asked DeGrazia to do this. And DeGrazia in the beginning said, no, um, I, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of doing this. Uh, and the priest said, well, I think you are. And, you know, please give it a try. And so DeGrazia did, and of course he knocked it out of the park. He, he did this incredible way of the cross, uh, and um, that's, how, how, that's how it came to be. And mm. uh, they actually put it up at the Newman Center until uh, they found out the, the value of the collection. And uh, the priest said, no, you got to come and take this back. We'll put prints up. We can't afford the insurance. Mm. So wow. anyway, oh, but wow. that's, that's how the way of the cross came about. Mm. Well, and he has, instead of the 14 stations of the cross, he had 15, right? So yeah, he added one. Yeah. And then, and then he has a, an audio tape where he talks to, and when you go to the gallery, I encourage you to do the, watch the video, uh, is, is like his video biography explaining his art and who he is. Um, it's just a really good introduction, but the gallery is so cool. The adobe buildings, the, the just being out there in the desert too, and the cactus corral at the center of the courtyard with the fountain, the yaki dancer. I mean, there's always something new to learn. And again, Nancy, didn't we learn more today that we, I mean, how long have we been talking about uh, Ted DeGrazia for years? And every time you come on a show, Lance, well, we learn a, something. He's a complex person. Yeah. Every single time you come on, we learn something new. And every time we go to the gallery, there's something new. So I encourage everyone uh, to go to degrazia.org and go to the gallery. Um, it is beautiful. And um, if you go to, if you're road tripping this summer, put it on your list. Um, and Tucson should be on your list, period. I mean, isn't Tucson one of the best cities, Lance? It really is. It is. It's, it's. Well, I, 
I was born here, so I think it is. It is. Yeah, it it's is. a nice it place. Is. It's a very it nice place. I love it. I love it out there. And and don't be afraid of the summer. Summer can be, yes, really hot, but then you can have siesta time. But if the monsoons come, it is magic. Monsoon rain. Oh. Hey, I, I after, love it. After spending back east in winter, I'm ready for shoes I, I Yeah, to me, I, I want 120 degrees and monsoons. I and know. It sounds good to me. I know. Are the cactus well, starting to Well, it's on the bloom? way, so... Yeah, <laughs> is it? Um, Ooh, not, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, it's it's, it's turning spring. You know, the the flowers are starting to pop. Nice, oh. nice. I think it's going to be a magical year in Tucson this year, and um, I want everyone to go. Well, everyone, we're going to mm-hmm, go ahead. I'm going to say we got a lot of rain, so there's going to be lots of flowers this year. That's oh, what I cool. think. I think this is going to be one of those crazy oh. cool. I mean, even Joshua trees in bloom. And and this is the thing, you know, um, for people road tripping and national park people, you've got Saguaro National Park, Saguaro, just for Lance, um, <laughs> Saguaro Saguaros. National Park, Sabino Canyon, uh, Fort Bowie, uh, down the road in, in Wilcox area, Chiricahua Mountains, um, Gila Cliff Dwellings, and then you can go up to, through, I mean, there's just so many parks and public lands to experience and it's easy to go up to like death valley from there joshua tree um anza borrego i mean it just is so centrally located um if you're traveling in if you fly in tucson has one of the best airports on the planet it is one of the easiest airports to fly out of and arrive in it's quiet um i don't i there's very few airports like Tucson. And I encourage people to use that airport because it is so much easier than going to one of those crazy big ones where you get lost. Um, Lance, have you flown out of there recently or picked anyone up there? Not, it's really quiet. It's quiet. Yeah, it's like no, a quiet. It has been. Yeah, it's a quiet airport, So, it, which we love. It's really easy. And once you get out, you're like, wow, I am out in the desert. It's awesome. So, uh, But again, everyone, we're going to be here every fourth Sunday uh, picking Lance's brain for news stories about Ted DeGrazia, which um, he always has something awesome to tell us about. He is the Tucson dude, and that's why he will stand up and say, yes, it is one of the best cities on the planet. So thank you so much, everyone. Keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com. Thank you so much, Tucson dude. Thank you.